Greetings, 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 and thank you for spending your time with me. I believe time is wealth, because when you spend time um, correctly, wisely, with those who inspire you to be the best version of yourself, you grow. You grow! And isn't that what we all want? We want to grow with positive words, those that impress upon us to dream the big dream. <laughs> and those that um, stay relatively balanced in a hectic world. Spend time with those. But if you can't, then you have to spend time with those opposite to this. Limit it and protect yourself. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. I grew up in a Jamaican household. And these are my stories throughout the journey um, and my experiences in Toronto, Canada. I am B, and this is Blunt Reflections. I, re I reflect on all my journeys. Some of them have become so beautiful as I grew up, and they were so painful when I was a child. So I share them with you through a voice of healing and humor. <laughs> all my perspective. So thanks again for listening. I grew up in a Jamaican home, like I just said. My mom... Um, came to Canada in 1972 and I didn't know her upbringings I've heard little splashes here and I don't know a lot about my mother I don't even know her birthday I don't know a lot about her at all although I lived with her for about seven eight years of my life um I knew a lot I knew that she was a very angry woman very very angry woman and um I lived with five other siblings and my mom was always angry. And when we got in trouble, she had no hesitation with hitting us with whatever she could find. Whether it be a broomstick, a, a hanger, a chair, a piece of stick, a spoon, an extension cords. Um, and when she got tired, it would just be the back of her hand or just slam her hand into the wall because she was just angry. She was a tough, strong woman. And that's what she had to do at that time. And she filtered that out to us. So I always, I, I learned early in my life that lying was a tool to protect myself. Um, I don't know if that was the intention of it, but <laughs> that's what I thought. And I would try, I would lie these, I would make these enormous lies up so she wouldn't hurt me. It didn't help much of the time, but I believed in my heart it alleviated what she could have done to me. And... Um, yeah, so lying was something that I learned early as something that I could protect myself with. I ended up living on the streets, running away from home, sorry, at 11, 12, and living with my siblings on my father's side. And that didn't last very long because a lie had blocked my ability to stay with them. I'm not sure why they believed this lie, but they did. And I found myself living on the streets. I'd go to uh, buildings and sleep on the in on the top of the stairway, the very top floor, just and just kind of huddle in the corner. I'd go to the grocery store and walk around and grab little grapes off and munch as I could. Um, and I'd wash my clothes in laundry in the the basement laundries of buildings. And I left my clothes in stairways, but I'd still go to school. 
And I never told anybody this truth. I lied because I don't think anybody needed to hear that lie. And I really was hoping for some sort of solution. I ended up in group homes later. And I ended up living with a woman named Isabel. And she was an ex-cop. She was tough. <laughs> she was tough. And um, all the girls that lived with her had court-issued curfews. And I was one of them. And we had went out. The four of us all went out one night. And we all came back late. And boy, that was hellfire cops and everybody looking for us we're like oh for pete's sakes but when we got home we told her what happened and that was it she sent us to bed and everybody you know all the police officers and everybody the social workers were good we're not we're okay we got a warning and life went on well a couple of weeks later at the dinner table isabel <clears throat> clears her throat and looks at the dinner table and says, I want to know what happened two weeks ago when you came late and broke your curfew. Well, we all started yelling and talking and she told everybody to quiet and then she looked right at me and she said, I want you to tell me what happened. Uh, I couldn't remember a thing. <laughs> I couldn't remember the lie that I told. <laughs> and we all got grounded. Oh, I was so mad. But that's when I learned that a lie you can't remember, but the truth you can. It's easier anyway. And she opened my eyes to the power of a lie and how much damage it could have um, if it blocks someone's path. And then it dawned on me that a lie could either block someone and a truth can clear someone. And that's a heavy burden to carry as a human being. You being a block to someone's life because you are not telling a truth. My dad told me a story when I was a little girl about three siblings whose mother left them in the house and whose instructions was to make dinner. And so by the time she got home, dinner was, should have been ready. But when mother returned, there was no dinner to be found, and no one would no one wanted to tell the truth. So in this Jamaican story, the the mother took three girls down to the river. And there was a song that each girl was going to sing so mom could figure out who was telling the truth. And the song goes like this. Swing way, sweaty arbor in one. If I me eat up me mumma peas dry river with a come down carry me way. And basically she the, the song is interpreted as swing away the one that's lying. The person who was eat who ate the peas, who is not telling the truth, washed them away in the water. And each sibling stood in the water and sung the song. And then mom asked the youngest sibling to start singing. Boy, she got really nervous and she sang the song. Swing way, sweaty arbor in one. If I meet up and she started school getting nervous and she couldn't finish the song as a rumbling camp was coming from behind her. Ooh, 
her mother yelled at her and said, finish the song, finish the song. No, mommy, me no want finish the song, me I lie. And the mother grabbed her out of the river just before it came tumbling down to wash her away. And the mom said, you know what you just learned? And the little girl said, no, mommy. She said, you could be a block in life and the river will wash you away. Or you can tell the truth and give the river clear passageway. Boy, when I learned that, whoo! I was so excited. I kept that story with me all these years. Because it reminds me the power of a lie and a power of the truth. Lies can be used to block someone's path to go forward and allow them to go a different direction. It could be a good thing. The truth allows someone to deal with something head on and then choose a different path if they choose. One gives you the freedom to choose your own destiny and the other one takes away and delays your destiny. And in my own life, my beginnings were ever so complicated. Very complicated. It made me understand why my mom was so angry at me. Why she was such a violent woman. Because there were so many lies that she never revealed to me. So many truths that she never told me. Things that questioned if she was truly my mother or not. Till this day, there is a cloud over my beginnings. And I know that there is someone out there that is blocking my truth. Because I know how powerful the truth is. The river still runs because I'm still here. But remember in your own life, you can choose to be a block and redirect someone without their choice or choose to tell the truth and allow them to redirect their life. Don't under underestimate a small little white lie as they call it. Lies are lies are lies. Just like a block is a block is a block on any journey. Be conscious of how you choose to live your life as a block or a clearance for others. Sure, there's a right time to tell the truth, but it's always a good time to tell the truth. So I thank my mother for teaching me the power of a lie. Although she never told me or shared to me the power of truth. Hopefully, you won't choose to be a block in someone else's life. Because I, I know all too well what it can do and how it can delay your destiny. So blessings and one love on this journey called life. And join me next time to listen to what my mother told me about cleansiness. Cleanliness. Ooh, next to godliness. Perhaps. Anyways, one love and blessings on this journey of life.
Greetings, 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 and thank you for spending your time with me, because time is like wealth, because if you spend time correctly and wisely, you will grow. So spend your time with a variety of people who have a balanced and nurturing and positive and realistic view of the world, and you will grow. Ah, I am, this is my part two of a five-part series of, of the, 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 the bones of what I got mostly from my mother. And the first one is the lessons I learned about lies because there were so many lies in my life. I'm just, I couldn't believe it. And it put me on a path in my life. And without these lies, I'm not sure where I would have been. And... The second lesson that my mother had taught me that has such a wide, vast purpose in my life is cleanliness. Yes, my mom, uh, a Jamaican woman, and she had this tradition that every Sunday you'd get up at the crack of dawn. I mean, early and everybody had to do their cleaning because she had a saying, she was, you don't know if God I come and if God come today, me want me house clean. <laughs> Boy, we were up and we were cleaning. We couldn't sleep in on Sundays. No way. Nothing went on except for the music. Boy, do I remember Sundays at Eppleworth in Toronto, Canada and Scarborough. And I remember on Sunday, she would put on her, her stereo, which had an eight track. And she put on this LP and she loved country music. She would put on Carol Baker. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. And she would watch, she would walk around the house and sing as if Jesus just let her in the door. <laughs> And we, we knew she was in a good mood because at Sundays for a little bit of time, you might get away with the unusual. And after we were clean, finished cleaning, we would then go to church. My mom found cleaning very important. She used to say cleaning was next to godliness. <sighs> so she figured the cleaner you were, the closer to God you were. I never understood this growing up. I always thought, if God is judging me by my house, then what the heck am I doing out there meeting people and trying to impress upon my heart good deeds? But that was her way. And as I grew up, I, I took that on. But I also learned so many levels of cleaning. Cleaning your house, some believe, is a direct reflection of how your mind is. So you have a clean house, but there's one room that's just full of crap. Perhaps there's something in your life that you're avoiding. So it reflects into this room that you put a whole bunch of stuff in. A lot of people believe the home is definitely a representation of the mind. A lot of people, feng shui for instance, helps you prepare your house in such a way that it flows with mind, body, and soul. 
And as I was growing up, I adopted the same kind of mission my mom did. No, I don't clean every Sundays. I do like a tidy house. Yes, because it helps me create. And if my place is messy, then my creations and whatever comes out of that day is probably just as messy too. The next level of cleanliness, uh, as I'd like to see it, is in the body. The body is a very important vessel to keep clean. How do you keep your body clean? Well, how do you keep your car clean? You put good stuff in it. You don't put the cheap stuff. You put the good stuff. And every so often you go to the mechanics and make sure everything's running well. And whatever you can do on your own, you do. You vacuum it. You clean the windows. You get a nice little, some sort of product at the store to shine up the, the dashboard. You tell people not to bring their muddy shoes inside. You take care of your car. You should take care of your body the same way. Don't put extra stuff in it that I don't need. Do what you can to keep it healthy. Eat good foods that don't have all a whole bunch of additives and so forth and so forth. Eat a lot of fruits. Put good things in it. And that keeps your body clean. What I personally do, I've learned over the years because I've gone through some health stories myself. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, I do love a good cleansing, a detoxing, even if for a day. Sometimes I will eat drink just liquids up until noon and then at noon I will have a healthy lunch. Cleaning is so multi-dimensional so I've learned and my mom gave me the basics of cleaning when it was to clean my body. Even what you put on your body requires cleaning. When we were little my mom wouldn't let us put her underwear in the laundry. No, 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 no. She made us wash it by hand and put it in the bathroom to dry. She figured these things kept the things personal and clean those things closest to you clean because you saw what you were doing, right? <laughs> clean clothes, good food, was definitely a level of cleanliness I had to definitely learn because there's so many different products out there and food and companies and oh my goodness and doctors. God bless the good doctors out there. But there are many bad doctors out there that'll give you things that you don't really need. And you have to be up on that to keeping your body clean. The last level of cleanliness that I've learned is your mind. Your mind, like I said, like a car. Don't let things into your mind that you don't want. Don't do it. Feed your mind with good stuff from books and a variety of people who have a positive outlook on life. Your mind requires the most cleaning for where the mind goes, the body will follow, which you've already cleaned, remember. <laughs> so it's important to keep the mind clean. My mother, I believe from my perspective, fell short in that area. The stresses of being a single mother and having so many illusions and lies on her plate the mind can't possibly work well in that type of environment. So 
Not only do you keep your environment clean, keep your body clean, and keep your mind clean. And you will be closer to being you and feeling better about you on this journey of life. Yeah, I thank my mother for all those wise lessons I had to learn. Most of the lessons she taught me, I just do opposite to them. <laughs> because her mind wasn't the best. And I don't blame her for that. But she taught me, if I keep my mind clean, my body will follow. So, thank you for joining me. And join me next time when I tell you about my lessons that my mom taught me about relationships. And if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on SoundCloud under Blunt Reflections, or you can just check out my website, becomemagnetictoday.com, because all the lessons I've learned ah, suddenly attracted all the things that I needed in my life. So one love and blessing on this fabulous, awesome journey called life, darlings. Stay clean. This message was brought to you by Queen Bee Divine. Become magnetictoday.com. Blessings. Blunt, blunt, blunt reflections. Stories of my journey. Greetings. Hola. Bonjour. How are you doing? How are you doing? Welcome to Blood Reflections. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And this is my story, my journey, my perception on how life has has. Um, impacted me. And thank you for listening. Thank you for spending your wealth with me because wealth is time. And if you spend time correctly, you will grow. If you spend time with positive people, the positive things within you will grow. If you spend time with negative people, the negative things within you will grow. So choose on what you want to grow and grow in that way. What is discipline? I... Now these days they call how I grew up abuse. And it was. But from my mother's perspective, it was discipline. And I believe despite that her best was her best, it definitely wasn't the good enough to raise a child that was full of love. I had to learn that on my own. Now going back to that initial question, what is discipline? Discipline, in my perspective, is meant to uplift you, to deter you from doing that behavior that caused you to get discipline. I don't believe discipline is meant to break you and take away your passion to move forward in life. There's a thin line between pain and teaching, isn't it? My mother didn't understand, from my perspective, that to teach me as a child, less was more. But she did try her best. She did try her best to discipline us in the best way she knew how. There were times I remember when we'd come home from school 
And boy, you could see it in her eyes how angry she was. Ten minutes. It literally took us... Ah, let's see. It took us 15 minutes to get from school. But she expected me us home at five. When we were in grade school, it was possible. Because the school was right next door. But when we went to middle school, the, the few months I was at home during middle school, she expected us to be home in five minutes when the journey took 15. She'd be waiting on the couch, waiting on the couch for us after a good bout of Young and the Restless. And she would walk in and she'd put on her kind Jamaican voice. Oh, how you do, Pigney? How are you? How come me I take so long from school? Me I wait for you and you know who I'm at? Jesus, why why you going to take off your clothes and go, go in the bath and go clean up yourself? And dinner, dinner come. And we would be like, oh, mom's not mad. Okay, I'll go first, I'd tell my brother. And I'd go in and take off my clothes. Whew. Remember, take off your Sunday clothes, your, your, your school clothes, and put on your play clothes. No, no, none of that. And she'd yell at me like, oh, okay. And I'd go get my after-school clothes and go in the bath and turn on the water. And within two seconds, she would be behind me with an extension cord, whipping the living life out of me. And let me tell you how much that hurt. Boy, we would scream. And when she was done, she'd go find my brother and find him and whoop him the same way. She called it discipline. Back to the initial question. What is discipline? Is it a physical confrontation where an instant blow needs to happen? A backhand for you or someone to understand what is being taught? Or is patience part of the process to enliven and awaken the passion to move forward. I remember one time uh, my sister sent me to a fried chicken place, the popular place at the time. I loved playing, so I, I always found myself taking extra long when she sent me to the store. I tried my best, but man, on a sunny day when kids were playing, I couldn't help it. And I'd come back maybe 20 minutes or a half an hour more than I should have. I remember walking into the day and I said, Oh, I'm sorry, Anita. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just, I know I'd make up some story. I knew she didn't believe me, but I had to try. And she came up like a bull and charged towards me and she punched me square in the face. She was a tough girl. And she punched me in the eye and then I fell and hit my head on the wall and I knocked myself out. Within, I don't know how long, but I saw, I woke up her, I woke up to her shaking me, saying, you're not dead, get up, get up, you're not dead. And I, and I said, oh, what happened? And then she back at me and tell me, I tell you, next time you go to the store for me, you got a shot for me, you come back right away. And she got up and took her chicken and went off to her bedroom. I tried telling my mom, but like my mom said, it was discipline. I remember being so angry at a child, thinking, why do you have to be so mean to me? Why can't you just talk to me? My mom would use anything that she could find in the house to hit us. I remember extension cords. <laughs> I remember a time when we wouldn't, we, she came home and we didn't realize she was coming home so early and we were watching TV. We had specific times where we can watch TV. 
Boy, when she saw us, she came home, plugged out the TV, my cut it, and then beat us with the same cord that she used. That she just of got. my journey. <laughs> I'm not sure we learned anything from that discipline, but I did learn fear. I learned to fear my mother. I learned to fear confrontation. I learned to fear consequences. I didn't have a space where I could make mistakes without getting welts or bruises on my body. What is discipline? How do you discipline yourself when you do something wrong? Do you get mad at yourself? Do you beat yourself up with words, thus putting you in a depression? We have to teach ourselves how to discipline ourselves when we perceive we've made a mistake. If you have those who are looking up to you, children, young people, how do you discipline if they make a mistake with the lessons that you are trying to teach them? Discipline, from my perspective, should allow you to continue the excitement of learning. My mom really, truly believed in her heart that she was disciplining us. She would haul off and punch my brother and I in the face if something didn't work well for her. If the bathroom wasn't clean to her perfection, it wasn't, it wasn't out of an ordinary that we would all be in a fist fight. And one time I made the stupid mistake of swinging back at my mother. Oh, she beat the living crap out of me. I wore turtlenecks and long pants to school the next day. No one ever asked, and I never told. The very beautiful moments that I had with my father, I learned something new about discipline. One time I stole 50 cents, or I think it was a dollar out of his pants pocket. Went to go buy some ice cream. And I came back and he looked at me. I'll wait, you get your money for buy ice cream. I looked at him and I knew I was caught. And he said, no answer, no answer me. Wait till you, wait till you hear this before you answer me. I thought he was going to beat me. But instead he told me to sit down. And he told me a story about a little girl who lied. Um, he told me the story. And at the end of the story he goes, you understand what I tell you? And I said, yes, daddy. And he goes, so let me ask you again. Will you get the money for get ice cream? And I said, I took it from your pants pocket and I shouldn't have. And he said, all right. That's when I learned that discipline doesn't have to be violent. It just has to teach so someone can continue to move forward. It's not supposed to initiate or fill anybody with fear. It's supposed to help you continue in your life as a better person. And my family has dealt with law and jails. Stories of my journey. And I don't remember my brother ever coming out a better person per se. He came out bigger. <laughs> but did he learn anything? I don't think I'll ever have the chance to ask him because I'm not sure if he's dead or alive now. My point is discipline is meant to encourage better behavior. Discipline is not supposed to instill fear in you. Who wants to become a better per person when you're scared to move forward? Because of what may happen if you make another mistake. 
In the days I was growing up, it wasn't unusual to hear kids come to school because their parents beat them up or a dad was doing this. It, it was kind of oddly okay until late 90s and 2000 when we realized that mental health and discipline and beating kids was not the way to go. You know, you can't hurt me. No, 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 that's illegal. But we should never get to that point where we have to threaten our children. We should always instill a style of discipline from the get-go. And I'll never leave you. The many times I had with my father and the, the many mistakes I might have made, maybe I, I went somewhere or whatever, he always taught me through a, through a story. And when I was making or moving forward in life, I'd always think of the story. And every time I was going to tell a lie, I'd remember the story he told me about a lie. Because he took time to teach me properly. And true discipline elevates you. It doesn't bring you down. It elevates you. And our society is full of discipline that takes you down and doesn't allow you to get back up. My closest bout with the legal system and being incarcerated for a moment was back in the day when I was growing up as a youth. I went to a place called 311. 311 Jarvis. It was a detention center where they kept teens who were... Ah, undisciplined. <laughs> I spent a while there. And that, let me tell you, was the only discipline I needed to never want to ever go back. Now, that discipline woke me up because I didn't like where I was because I made a mistake. I made the choice to not go in that direction that inspired me to go straight i didn't need any more discipline but i do believe that discipline all depends on the individual some some folks need a good stern talking to some people need some time by themselves some people just need a story how we discipline our society tells a lot about who we are and how we value the process of making a mistake. I figure if you kill somebody for making a mistake, they will never learn. There are plenty of countries that adopt the idea of when someone is incarcerated, we don't bring them down any further. Jails are a more kinder, more nurturing place. And perhaps that's the way we should all go. Mistakes will happen in our life. We are human. It is part of our DNA. Always striving to find something better. And in that striving, we just might fall. And sometimes the natural consequence for a mistake is death. And hopefully we will learn our lesson so that won't ever take place. The situation of bad behavior. But 
If we've come to this place called Earth to live, are we not bound to make some mistakes? Are we not bound to fall in that dark pit, hoping that someone will take the time to teach us out instead of beat us out? That's what I hope for my mom. I think that's, that, that's the only regret I have for her. I wish she never beat me out of her life. I wish she had taught me how to stand on my own. I had to get over my fear of confrontations. I had to get over the fear of consequences if I tried. I had to get over those because it, it was a debilitating way to think that if I make a mistake, what's going to happen to me? I needed to stop thinking that way. I'm going to leave you with a parting story. My brother and I left home early. He left before I did. He was, I was the youngest and he was the second in line. We were about a year and a bit apart. And I remember the weeks leading up to the moment he ran away from home. He had, was just being a boy. He came in and he had went, who knows, adventure riding with his friends. And he took a lot longer than he needed to. He walked in and he can, my mother confronted him. She draped him up by his neck and threw him against the wall and my yelled at him and said, Where you did that? you did that? you do? And my brother said nothing. Then she let him go, went to the room, and got the extension cord that she usually beat us with. And she whipped him hard across the face. My heart broke because I could feel the pain. But my brother didn't flinch. She whipped him again. My brother did not flinch. The third time she went for it, he grabbed the cord from her and said, you will never hit me again. My mom stood there. And she said, you think you're a bad man? You think you're a big man? She walked one way, and he walked the other. And that's when I learned that discipline can only go so far. Fear can only go so far. And the problem with violent discipline is that one day, it will turn on you if you are not careful. So, if you are out there, and you have children, you're teaching a group of adults, who knows what you are doing. Be careful to be that person. Don't be that person who causes negative karma from discipline. Be that person who allows others to fly because of the discipline. Discipline is a patient process, because learning is. So, be careful out there and continue to ask yourself when you're implementing discipline on any level to anyone, am I giving them the passion to continue to live? Am I breaking their legs 
One love on the journey. And please don't beat yourself up on this journey called life. It's hard enough. One love. This message was brought to you by Queen Bee Divine. Become magnetictoday.com. Blessings. Blunt, blunt, blunt reflections. Stories of my journey. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Hola, bonjour. How you do? Come on in and sit down and listen for a bit. Thank you for joining me and spending some of your wealth with me. Wealth, I perceive, is like time. Because if you spend time with the right people, you grow. But it has to be in the way you want to grow. If you want to grow positive, spend time with positive people. If you want to inspire the negative in you, well, hang out with negative people and you'll grow that way too. But my advice is spend time with those who make you feel comfortable in your own skin, that inspire you to dream the big dream and say, hey, no matter what, today you can become the best version of yourself. So thank you for spending a little bit of that with me. My mother. Ha! Ah, this is probably the, um, the last of my five-part series of the things that my mama taught me. I mean, she taught me a lot of things, but she taught me through um, observation and negativity. She wasn't a woman who was filled with love. No fault of her own. It's just the reality. And this is called Blunt Reflections. My mom taught me everything I needed to know of relationships. She was the first woman in front of me that I could see interacting with others. So every time she interacted with some, somebody, I would learn. My relationship with my mother was estranged from the get-go. There are so many things and mysteries and clouds of my beginnings with my mom that our relationship did not inspire trust. Because I was taught one thing. It's not a new thing. How you start something is how you finish something. And I believe my relationship with my mom was started on lies and secrecies and things that I can't even put into words right now. So our relationship ended in the same way. I learned from my mom's behavior never to trust her. That's the type of relationship we had. She didn't let anybody into her life. I never really knew my mother's birthday. I know she was born in a particular month, but I never knew her birthday. I didn't know if she had siblings. I didn't even know anything about her parents. I had to go searching for my, my original birth certificate to find out that information. And even then, I only have one name of her parents, her mother and her father. No last names. I have no clue on who she truly is. And that's how our relationship stayed. It spanned that way because there was no depth and no 
trust so a relationship cannot grow that way. My dad and I, our relationship was moments, just moments. That's all I ever had with him. Small moments that he could leave his teachings on me whenever he could, and I soaked them up. My mom used to say something about my eyes. She said, Why you have big eyes then? And I probably do have big eyes. <laughs> but I do believe she also meant that I could see a lot. And in the special moments with my father, I soaked up everything I saw with him. He told me stories of Anansi the Spider, a traditional Jamaican story tell, uh, story, excuse me. He taught me about Miss Lou, the national storyteller of Jamaica. She is an icon. He taught me about things I probably would have never learned if I didn't soak up the moments with him. And in those, and in the time with my father, he taught me something valuable. That even if you only have a moment with someone, make it the most. Make the most of it. Open all your senses and allow everything to soak in. Thus trying to avoid regret. I don't regret having, not having more time with my father. I just realized the universe, that's all it could give. So I'm happy to take it. My siblings, on the other hand, I grew up with whew, five siblings. Me being the youngest and the only Canadian. They treated me like an outsider from the beginning. And so I was never on the inside of anything. And that's how it remained. If I was ever in trouble or anything, I knew not to call them on both sides of my father and my mother. My father had a whole entire family of his own that lived in Jamaica. And my mom had an old, a whole entire family that lived on their own. And I was the only child between the two of them. And from the get-go, I never felt I belonged anywhere. And that's how my relationship expanded. Anytime I got together with someone, I always felt I wasn't part of it. I needed to find my roots. I needed to find my home. I needed to have a, a relationship that can be the foundation to a beginning of how I see relationships. People, meaning my friends or uh, those who have gone in the past, um, I have to admit the way I grew up has somewhat um, made me guarded. I don't take it lightly sharing who I am with others, even though I'm talking all over it. <laughs> I'm talking on a podcast about my life. I mean, I guess the center of it, you know, I don't take, I don't take, um, new people in my life light, lightly. I am an energy kind of girl. If I don't like your energy, I don't like your energy. It's just that simple. Um, and I've learned to protect myself because of my mother. And whether people see it as a way of alienating myself or not, it works for me. My husband, my relationship with my husband is wonderful. My eyes were closed when I met my husband. I was still in a blind state of the world is out to get me and I'm going to get the world. But when I met him, he quickly tore down that wall. 
he was very quick to notice the symptoms of a childhood that was so painful. And he took time to kind of get through all that crap. Now, was he kind all the time? No. Was I kind all the time? No. But we both knew that in order to get to the good stuff of a relationship, you got to get through the pain and you got to work through it. And because of him, I've learned that relationship requires real work. And if you want something around, you do the work. But if you don't, you don't do the work. And that was something he taught me. The relationship with myself has changed tremendously over the years. I used to hurt myself a lot when I was a teen. I used to beat myself up. Suicide was probably always on my mind. And if anyone could argue with God, man, can I argue with God. (laughs) But I've learned a valuable lesson. I have to live with me. I can't run away from me. I can't um, deport myself away from me. I can't evict myself. I have to learn to live with myself. And it took a lot of time to deal with that. And my 360 moment is when I realized that I could look in the mirror and say I loved myself because I knew my mother could never do that. And that was my journey. It has been my journey. Continually to improve the relationships that I have in my life. Because if I want you there, we're going to work on it. But if I don't want you there, we will not work on that. It's just that simple. Relationships are what get you to your dreams. Get you the job. Get you through the day. Get you through life. So if you have too many relationships, you cannot possibly give them a hundred percent of your time. The best thing from my advice is to choose a few relationships because in life you only need one good relationship. Well, let's say that again. Two good relationships. The one with yourself and the one with that wonderful person that (sighs) chooses to walk this journey with you. In hindsight, I do wish that my mother could have had the the love or the teachings or the opportunities to talk out some of her pain, to write down her pain. Because I think that just stayed in with her. And if you hold on to resentment, anger, and sadness, no matter who you are, that relationship will die so take care of the relationships out there that you have especially the one that you have with yourself from yourself all things flow so take care of you and I do guarantee you and I could say this with a hundred percent assurance in time the right relationships will come to you and then you'll know to nourish them with love. One love on this journey called life. Oh, one more thing. Don't forget your relationship with the earth. 
treat the earth as you would do someone who you want to have a lasting relationship with and it will treat you in return with love one love on the journey and blessing it's a small world after all it's a small small world this message was brought to you by queen be divine become magnetic today.com blessings blunt 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 reflections stories of my journey all right before i start i just want to tell you there is some mature conversations happening and hence the title sex so i am putting out my little Hey, just know this is going down. Have a good day and thank you for listening. Greetings, bonjour, hola, hello, welcome, come on in, come sit on and listen to Blunt Reflections. I am Queen B. Divine. <laughs> I call it blunt reflections for many reasons, but the one that you should be focused on, it's just a blunt reflection of my life, how it affected me, how my life sent me messages, what I learned. But for this five-part series, probably somewhere I wrote down four, but it's five. This particular one is about the lessons that my mom taught me. The most five big ones that my mom taught me. This one is about sex. I'm drinking a cup of tea, so I'm just going to take a sip right now. Delicious. Sex. Now let's get back to that. My mom was a Jamaican woman. And... I don't know if she ever had a talk. I think it's a North American thing, or as my mom would say, a Canadian thing, to have a discussion about the birds and the bees. I I don't think my mom ever had that discussion. I think like most people who come from the generations prior to the 60s and the 70s, um... You kind of figured it out on your own. There was a whole sexual revolution um, that happened in the 60s and 70s. Burning bras, women standing up. And then it died down. And now it's resurging. You see some good-looking women who kick in past 40. You're like, God damn. Things have changed. And one of those things are people are more freer, open-minded. And sex is not such a thing anymore but for my mom it probably will always remain secret or something of a enigma to her she married a man that was into little girls and I was one of those little girls well before this man came along I probably had no clue what sex was like or even even where babies came from my mom never talked about any of those things but it never hampered me as a child i didn't walk around feeling oh my god i don't know what sex is all about um when she did marry this man i remember my first experience with connecting with someone 
in a sexual way. I remember sitting on the side of the bed. He had called me into his room. And I sat there on the side of the bed. There was a big change purse in front of me filled with quarters and nickels and dimes and pennies. Back in the day, they had pennies. And there was a $2 bill sitting there as well. He started talking about how I was growing into a young lady. I thought to myself, well, yes, I am growing up, because I had said nothing. But as a child, you always know when things are just off. Just off. I sat there. I was wearing a pair of pants. Yes. And I never wore skirts around the house, because my mom said... It's not necessary, only on Sundays. I never knew why she meant that. These pants were loose, like pajama loose. And I felt him go inside my pants and ask me if I knew what it was like to be a woman and that I was growing into a young lady, beautiful. I felt his hand search around as if it was some sort of game. I didn't understand what was happening And then suddenly, it was over, and there was two dollars in my hand, and I was sent off in the world connecting sexuality with abuse. And that was my first experience with anything close to sexuality. He gave me a $2 bill and then told me to leave after. I was such a happy kid, I just went to the store and I thought nothing more of it. For me, it was just a normal thing. I thought, well, maybe he's just interested in seeing how I'm growing. It wasn't until a few years later when someone had told me that in sex ed class, that this type of touching or experience was called sexual abuse. How dare they add the word sexual to it, eh? Well, doesn't that mess up a child? It's sexual, but it's abusive. I don't think the word sexual should be added to that phrase at all. I think it should just be called engaging abuse because you were engaging me in a very abusive way because it has nothing to do with sex.
A lot of us grow up and confuse our abusive situations with our sexual situations. My mom taught me nothing about sex. Absolutely nothing. Which led me down a path to discover it myself. Which is not a very healthy way for anybody to grow up. I remember in grade school, my first couple of months in middle school. If you're a girl, you know exactly where I'm going. It was the first time my period had came and I had no clue I was supposed to even have one. <laughs> I went into the girls' bathroom and shocked to see that my pee had turned orange for some strange reason. I quickly got up and I stared at the toilet and went, oh my gosh. I got a wall, a wad of toilet paper and stuffed it where it needed to be, pulled up my pants and stood there. Looked in the mirror and wondered if something was wrong with me. A girl came in and I'll never forget who she was. It was Kelly Bricknell. She walked in to the school called Robert's Service and in that bathroom she walked in and looked at the toilet and said, someone's got that period and walked out as she fixed and ooh, hair sprayed her hair and walked out. That's what it hit me. Wow. I went home that day somewhat excited. I told my mom and her response was nothing. She walked in her bedroom and shut the door. 10 minutes later, she came out with a box with letterings on it, T-A-M-P-O-N, a blue box. I watched her. She stuffed it in the linen closet and then shut the door, Blank, walked blunt, by blunt, me and said, go check the closet. Stories I of my journey. <laughs> closet, <laughs> opened the door and pulled the box out from a white sheet. Then she said, Go in the bathroom. I went in the bathroom and there I sat reading instructions. It was never mentioned again. After that, plenty of engaging abusive moments happened. Over and over and over. It was then it dawned on me that I had to leave home. Why, you ask, besides the obvious? I remember weeks before my mom left for Jamaica. She was in a hurry to get one or two more shifts in before she was leaving. I looked at her, and my body was so scared. I said to her, Mommy, can you not go to work today? Just then I heard her bedroom door open and he, her husband, walked out and stood behind her. She looked at me and stretched her neck a little bit forward to kind of look at my face carefully. Then she kind of leaned back. She turned around and looked at him. 
and then turned around and looked at me. And then she said, words that changed my life. She said, me have no time for your stupidness. Me aga to work. Just then, he smiled the biggest grin on his face. That's when I knew I could not stay at home. I panicked. I really, really panicked. Safe to say I ended up in group homes. And my sexual ideas were very skewed because they kept calling it sexual abuse. I thought to myself, this is not what I know about sex, whatever I read, whatever I saw on TV, whatever whispers I heard in the air. It always was supposed to be good and with someone you loved. And I know that none of these things were involved in my experience. So throughout life, I took sex as an abusive power situation. I never saw it to lead to love. Because it was abuse. It was sexual abuse. When does these things lead to love? Safe to say that I wandered through life confused, sad, and very, very angry. Thus, the idea of having anything sexual in my life always led to one word, abuse. I was blessed to meet many, 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 many wise, wise women in my life. Wise women in my life that gave me little tidbits of Mm, nuggets of information that would help me lead me down the road to where love and sex met. And I'll never forget the woman who helped me find that light. Her name was Kim Brody. I had dated her son. But that was neither here or there because I realized the universe, that wasn't its purpose. Its purpose was to meet this woman. And how confused I was and how to see if someone loved me or see if, if sex was something good. She told me one bit of advice besides the many things she did to help me to get me in touch with my life and my sexuality. She said something very simple that I hope you adhere to if you're in a relationship, if you're in love, or you think you're in love, or you think sex will lead to love. She said this to me. If you constantly find yourself running towards somebody and they give you nothing back, if you find yourself always going over just to get a booty call or a sex, if you find you're the one doing all the work, that's abusing yourself and not knowing your self-worth. The universe initiated a beautiful breakup. 
He ended up saying yes to a question I expected him to say no to. It's a funny story. I'll tell you about it next time. <laughs> but sexuality is not just about the lovemaking, the connection. No, it's about you seeing exactly its power. To see the symbols of when you're being abused, when you're engaging in abusive situations. Abuse wasn't just in my childhood. I abused myself so many times by not seeing my worth and not allowing the beauty of who I was to lead. Because when my sexuality led the way, that's all that was leading. But when I led the way, and taught myself that engaging was the first step possibly to abuse because I didn't understand my worth. Anyways, I hope you can open your eyes to see that even if it's not from a gentleman or a woman that seems to be older than you, that is needlessly touching you and putting you in situation that makes you feel abuse. This could also be someone you're dating who doesn't see your worth, who continues to engage in abusive situations by not valuing who you are. Take care out there and beware. Sexuality should never be equated with abuse because there's no sex in abuse. It's just pure negative engagement. When you find love, sex, mmm, and all its goodness is what should be applied to that. One love on the journey and take care. Don't you cry, baby mine, dry your eyes, rest your head close to my heart, never to part, baby of mine. This message was brought to you by Queen Bee Divine. Become magnetic today.com. Blessings. <laughs>